Hello and welcome to Now Fear This with Becky and Marie, the podcast about all the things that scare the shit out of us, a few things that don't. And sitting across from me is Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) The Rebecca of Becky and Marie, yes, that's me. I feel like you brought your Rebecca side today, like your hair is pulled back and you're just very... Oh, you're very official looking today. Yeah, I am sitting at a desk, which I usually don't do. Yeah, Curtis's desk. Yeah, I'm on his computer. You're less clean than me today, too. The last few few times we've met, you've had like a lot of cleavage. Well, I I probably am recording in whatever I slept in, which (laughs) is probably just some v neck t shirt. I mean, like, I'm sorry, probably. probably that's about as classy as I roll. So Yeah. And also your colors are subdued today. Like not only do you bring like the cleavage and like some bright peach or something. And today it's like all gray. Like it's literally (laughs) gray sweater, gray undertop, gray bra. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm as, uh, I'm as gray as I can be. Maybe I'm in a gray mood. And here, look, I'm, since we're discussing outfits, do you see my shirt? Aww. I'm gonna have to get a picture of that for our website. It's a little kitty thing that says "hiss" instead of "kiss." A rock shirt. That's awesome. Thank you. My uh, actually, my team at work gave it to me as like a end of the academy season gift. Wow, that's nice. Did you win any uh, academy awards? Yeah, we did. We actually won quite a few. Yay! And they also made me a T-shirt that said, "Move it one pixel to the left." Or two pixels to the left, approved by Marie. <laughs> oh my God, I need that T-shirt. <laughs> and don't let the quote mark hang and all the things. Oh gosh, oh you heaven. too, you too. Yes. <laughs> How about one that says, this doesn't make me angry. That's the <laughs> biggest compliment you'll get. Uh-huh, okay. So what are you fearing today, Becky? Enough talk, enough chatter about our clothing. It's like, we like to, we like to do this for our listeners. So what are you wearing, Becky? because y'all really need to know what we look like to listen to this no you don't you really don't need to know what we look like um i'm fearing so much marie um you know we need to laugh we're gonna get to the funny fears and uh, some comedy today but like the rest of us probably in this country i'm fearing mass shootings i'm fearing we might turn into the wild wild west except the wild wild west regulated guns you couldn't carry (laughs) guns in the city limits I guess we're just all going to have to be armed to the teeth. And if somebody pisses us off or gives us a side eye, we're allowed to shoot them, which. You need to harden something. your targets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to harden our targets. That's what I you, mean, you and I are hardening our fucking targets. Honestly, the last thing that I think I want is teachers having guns. That seems like a big disaster, right? I can't imagine but, it. No. I can't imagine it. Your little puffy pate kindergarten teacher is just going to be packing to eat. Just yeah, stop it, right it now. feels just stop. It just feels like you know when you watch a western, like even in like places like New York and stuff, and it's like I guess we're all in charge of our own safety now. Did you is- know? And I didn't know this, and this probably should be my main fear that the Supreme Court determined sometime where I think Clarence Thomas, don't get me started on him, wrote the opinion. Either that or Scalia Scalia back before he kicked the bucket in Texas. You're welcome for that. Um, that cops are really legally not required to stop crime. A guy was getting assaulted with a knife and sued a New York cop for not intervening. The cop just stood by and watched. 
and the Supreme Court found that they are not required to intervene to prevent crime. I did not know that. I... If you're not terrified by that, what the fuck are the cops for? Literally, what are they for? To yeah. come in and look around at like the dead bodies and take photographs? At, you know? I'm a little more conservative than you are, but even I'm like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to have a license to drive a car. Like, none of our rights are completely pure. Like, the government invades on our rights in all sorts of areas. I don't know how this is how any about different. How about on 9-11-2001, around 3,000 people died, and we changed our entire lives around that. Right. And this, I mean... Or, like, nobody's that, upset. Nobody's upset about eminent domain. No. Mm-mm. Where they're taking away I people's know. homes. I guess I would say, and I mean this from a totally non-political standpoint, reasonable measures to try and fix this problem, like we don't need assault weapons, things like that. We've got to start using our common sense and stop being so partisan. Like there's got to be common ground. I don't think any reasonable Democrats are talking about taking guns away completely. No, of course not. That's not a part of it. Yeah. It's all a way of the people who support having nothing but free reign over guns, you know, Second Amendment obsessed people. They draw us off sides because we say we want reasonable regulation. All they want to talk about is shall not be infringed. And we're never going to come together. And so I would hate to have any of our listeners say, well, I'm going to, I can't listen to this show because Becky's a liberal or whatever. I mean, you can turn me off, I guess, but. I would like for you to stay engaged because I'd like to engage with you. You know, I don't think that you and I are hysterical and I absolutely do not think that handguns should be banned. I don't, I'll say it right now. I just think the NRA has gone off the rails. And when this shooting in Texas happened recently, I did, I messaged you, Marie, and I said, I'm threatening to run against Ted Cruz in the next Senate election out of Texas. And you came up with a great campaign logo. Yeah. My tagline is, aren't you fucking tired of this? And before I ask you what you're fearing today, I'll end with why it is I would run against Ted Cruz. And I made a list of, aren't you fucking tired of this? And the number one thing is, aren't you fucking tired of being represented by a senator that everyone hates? And it reminds me of one of my favorite insults anybody has ever given. And one of his fellow senators said, in answer to the question, why does everyone take such an immediate dislike to Ted Cruz? And the answer the senator said was, it just saves time. (laughs) And I was like, that is the greatest fucking insult. I mean, Al Franken said about Ted Cruz, I like Ted Cruz just as much as anybody. And I fucking hated Ted Cruz. Like, not one human being likes Ted Cruz on planet Earth, not even one. If you are listening to this show and you think, man, I think Ted Cruz is the greatest, maybe I do invite you to get your podcast, True Crime Comedy, elsewhere. (laughs) Well, I don't think, I don't know what to do with you if you like Ted Cruz. Like, I don't know what to do with you. The thing that we all just need to consider is that this is a style of killing that people are choosing. And it's very specific to killing as many people as possible in the shortest period of time. I'll give you um, one last thing, because I studied in particular, I wrote a very in-depth paper for a research class on mass killers and what we call the pathway to violence and how they all follow a very predictable suicidal route, because these are suicides too. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't get killed, they either didn't have time to kill themselves or the cops didn't kill them. But these are suicides. And how the UK, back in the 50s and 60s, had a rash of suicides by gas ovens. Okay? 
And when gas ovens went away and became electric ovens, the suicide rate dropped. People didn't find other ways to kill themselves. Interesting. And it's true. Yes. And it's true about all kinds of things. So people love to say, well, if you take away guns, people just get knives. That's not true. The data shows that is absolutely not true. It's the method. If you take away the method, yes, there's some people who will grab a machete. And it happened right near you recently at a hospital, right? But did 21 children and adults die right. there? So, if, if somebody has got a six shooter or a machete, there's more of a chance for people to defend themselves than if someone exactly. has an AR-15. I keep saying this is the last thing I'll say. This is the last thing I'll say. The <laughs> Onion article that comes out when a mass shooting happens, which recently has been at least two or three a day, the headline says, there's no way this could have been prevented, said the only country where this is a regular occurrence. I mean, right, I'm paraphrasing, right. but... Uh, yeah, so, so I'm just encouraging just... people to think of this in the same way that you think about other crime and other murder and go... What are some reasonable measures we can take to maybe deter this? And it's not just guns. It's also how we present it in the media. And there's a movement after Sandy Hook to not say their name. Don't say their name. Don't say their name. And so I appreciate news articles that just don't say the name because we don't want to give you the fame, which that's important too, to not make these guys biggest mass shooting, second biggest mass shooting, biggest mass shooting since 1990, biggest right. mass, you know, like trying to one up and top them and kill the most kids and that needs to stop too. Well, and it kind of ties into my fear today, which is like cultural trends. You know, the mass shooting is some sort of cultural trend and clearly people are seeking to repeat it. And what I'm fearing today is a little more lighthearted, but still. Okay, good. What are <laughs> I you am fearing, fearing today, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fearing selfies. So James and I took a trip to New Mexico and we went to this town Cloudcroft, which is this mountain town. James's dad has a little cabin there. So it was that is free. a very cool name for a town, by the way. Yeah. I support the name of that town. <laughs> it's free lodging. You and Curtis should come up there sometime. You'll just have okay. to handle the decor is very cross heavy. <laughs> a lot of the Western aesthetic is, yes. Uh-huh. I went to a cafe there and there was a cross that had like 20 crosses on the cross. I was like, oh, all right. Okay. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So if we get bored, we can play count the crosses. Okay. But okay. anyway, so we're in this small town. There's really not a lot to do. So we thought we'll go down the mountain to Alamogordo, which happens to be where the first above ground nuclear test was in the United States, I believe. Okay. Uh, atomic bomb test. They have something there called pistachio land, which I sent you a picture of my selfie. I have more selfies, but there's this Adorable. giant pistachio. It kind of looks like an alien egg or like a green vagina. It's... Oh, it does kind of have a uh, Georgia O'Keeffe vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I have to take a photo in front of this giant green vagina. And so as I was posing, there was a tour bus that almost hit me. And there were a couple of times where I almost fell over. I was just like, this is ridiculous. And it was all in pursuit of just getting the exact right angle so I didn't have a double chin. And, you know, so... The, and it just got me to thinking about how much selfies have taken over our culture and how they've actually become tools in murder. <laughs> also, a lot of people die from careless selfies. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I am on board. I fear the selfie. <laughs> I absolutely am terrified of it. The selfie stick is its own like tool of Satan, you know, and uh, I'm here for this. I don't have a selfie stick, but I wonder how many people like throw their shoulder out, like trying to get the maximum <laughs> amount of people into the photo. 
All right, so I think to get a little context here, I just want to talk briefly about the history of selfies, if you don't mind. Well, um, I have... Bring me some statistics. <laughs> I know you love this part. <laughs> uh, there's two articles I'm referencing, the Boston Globe from November 10th of 2017 and a website called culturetrip.com. So I don't know if you know this, Becky, but for the vast majority of human history, most people didn't know what they looked like. Have you ever thought about that? They didn't know if they walked by like a piece of glass that they were seeing their own reflection or something or would it like there weren't mirrors at all. So any reflection they saw would be something kind of murky. Like in a lake or a or in a Exactly, exactly. So the first mirrors were during medieval times and they were polished bronze, so they only reflected about 20% light. So it was huh. kind of like a yellowy, murky image. That's interesting. Yeah. So the first silver-backed mirrors, like kind of the mirrors we have today, were in the 1300s. And only rich people could afford them. So now we've gone forward in time. Rich people can see their reflection. The rest of us are still seeing wavy <laughs> bullshit, you know. Not much uh, has changed, has it? No, I mean, it explains a lot about medieval art because that's some wacky looking stuff. But That's true, too. So and around, I'm wondering if any of this is connected to like, uh, you know, like Queen Elizabeth was always wearing so much cakey white makeup. I mean, maybe she just looked weird in the mirror. And so she just needed to. Maybe, maybe. Anyway. I mean, okay. So around the mid 1500s, like 1540, we start having the mirror. Mm -hmm. And now we start having famous artists doing self-portraits because they can look in a mirror at themselves and paint themselves. So you have Van Gogh, Rembrandt, people like that. And it actually became a pretty big obsession amongst artists to do their own self-portrait. Like the majority of artists, when they start out, paint themselves because it's a low cost, low effort model, right? Yeah. <laughs> and wow, like I really thought when you started explaining the history of mirrors that I was going to fall asleep on my cat. But this is actually really interesting. No, it's it's super fascinating. And yeah. And as I go forward, I'll explain more. But it's fascinating in the context of narcissism and why, as the human race, we've become so fascinated with our own visage, if you will. Ooh. Yes. Fancy word. <laughs> yes. Um, so... How many years ago do you think was the first actual selfie taken with a camera? I think it was Thelma Louise in 1990, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, that's not helpful. The okay, first sorry. selfie was taken in 1839 by a Garo-type camera. The man's name was Robert Cornelius, and I sent you a picture of him. Oh. He's, he's an amateur chemist and a photography enthusiast. Did you he removed me? the lens cap. And then after he removed the lens cap, he ran in front of the camera and then he had to sit there for 15 minutes and then jump oh, up. He is. Yeah. And then jump up and cover the lens. And what people often comment about this photograph is it's very modern looking. Like he has that same expression that people have when they're trying to figure out how to do a selfie of themselves. He's kind of cute. <laughs> and Becky thinks he's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, why did you send me this? I have no idea what this was a picture yeah. of. It actually is a very cool picture. But do you see how he's not quite looking at the lens and he's turned at that side angle? Like, it's exactly yeah. what modern it's selfies exactly look right. like. 
Because when you do your thing, the camera's on the right, but you always look to the left. So people's eyes are like always a little bit off. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I don't want to bore you with all the selfie milestones. The first teenager selfie, there's the first person who took a selfie in a mirror, so on and so forth. And this okay. happens over a broad period of time. And then we come to modern times and the cell phone. So the term selfie and selfie as we know it is actually very recent. The first use of the term was on a public forum in September 2002. An Australian man took a photo of his torn lip after a drunken night out and was seeking advice about the stitches he had just received. So he's like asking about a self-portrait, but he refers to it as a selfie. And the linguists say that it's very typical of Australian language to shorten words and end them with an IE, like shrimp on the barbie or they call a firefighter a fiery or a postman a postie a can of beer okay. a tinny. brave listeners did you know that you're gonna learn shit today i, no I know i was gonna come into this and learn things it's amazing wow so after that selfie was taken we enter into this period of time where people are taking control over their own representation for better or for worse and this is very modern. This is a new thing. And now it's not just limited to people who can afford a camera or a mirror or can paint a painting. Now everybody can do this. So according to CNN.com, the selfie has become such a part of the zeitgeist. Did you know that there is a national selfie day? June 21st is national selfie day. So um, there's a museum of selfies. And this is not going to be a shocker to you. It's in Hollywood, California. (laughs) Um, But actually, you got to come out and we got to go to this museum of selfies. Because it's amazing. It's just room after room of manufactured environment to do selfies in. Yeah, it sounds fun. What? Is that fun? That doesn't sound fun. Oh, come on. That's like my nightmare. We're going to have fun. We're going to go there. Put me in purgatory. That's where, that's what would happen. Um, the Oxford Dictionary actually finally gave the word selfie some validity in 2013 by making it the new word of the year. So there you go. Does that guy get like a prize for Australian (laughs) friends? Actually, he's completely anonymous. Uh, He's never revealed his identity. So, or maybe nobody cares. He's just some drunk guy that got some bad stitches. (laughs) So... We've talked a little bit about the evolution of social media on our show. It's, it's a big deal because I think both of us feel like social media has a huge influence on crime. And in particular, criminals seem to lately be obsessed with recording their crimes in some form or fashion, mm-hmm. be it videotaping rapes or, I mean, and historically, like during World War II, when the Japanese were committing atrocities and the Germans, they took pictures of it. Um, so this isn't necessarily a new phenomenon, but Abu Ghraib. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think there were selfies in Abu Ghraib, actually. Yes. But there's countless stories of criminals taking photos. Uh, the, the Hillside Stranglers, I think, took Polaroids of some of their victims. So this isn't necessarily a new thing, but in terms of someone taking a selfie with someone that they've murdered, Um, There is a recent example of this, and the person is coined the selfie murderer. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about this crime. And I also think it's representative of how selfies have taken a twisted turn. Okay. So my two sources are truecrimedaily.com and the Daily Mail. 
you can find lots of articles about Amanda Taylor, the selfie murderer. So we have to go back in time. Rex and Amanda Taylor are from Virginia. Rex grew up there. They're just a typical couple. And a couple of their friends that they would hang out with were interviewed by the Daily Mail. One was a guy named Johnny Roebuck. He said they were the type of people that liked serial killers. I guess you would say it's a hobby for them. Well, I like serial killers. Well, right. But for Amanda, that hobby turned into an obsession. Roebuck says she fantasized about actually becoming a serial killer. But before Rex could help Amanda achieve her deadly dream, Rex killed himself. Oh, no. Now, super creepy. I sent you some pictures. Yeah. You can see Rex and Amanda where they're posing like she slit his throat. So they were definitely role-playing, like, murder stuff and things like that. The article also says that Amanda was obsessed with ISIS and that she tried to contact ISIS through social media. So that what? She was asked about it, and she kind of was like, well, you know, I wasn't going to, like, join them to, like, blow up stuff for Allah, but, you know, I just was fascinated. So I think she thought maybe... I can fulfill my fantasy of killing people by joining ISIS. I think that was her <laughs> watching. Why do you think that's military? Why do you have to join the enemy? Like, <laughs> could be the new sniper and have Clint Eastwood make I a terrible know. fucking movie about you. I never thought about this. I'm thinking to myself, like, does ISIS have to have a screener? You know, because like there's yeah. these crazy, crazy She's American. She's crazy for ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> She's too crazy. Like, apparently. <laughs> the mental health test. <laughs> Apparently, ISIS never responded to her. They they ghosted her. <laughs> they even saw, they could look at her. Would take one look at her and go, yeah. no, girlfriend, why don't you go to Texas and just get yourself a weapon of mass destruction and go kill a bunch of people because they don't stop your happy ass yeah. down there. You, you know, could be I, as deranged as possible and they'll sell you all the guns you want. I applied for a job recently and got ghosted by the recruiter, but I would be really depressed if I applied for a job with ISIS and got ghosted. <laughs> that's really bad right (laughs) like what kind of a low bar are you not able to pass (laughs) yeah okay amanda this is going great this is by the way i'm going to explain this picture to everyone there's a picture of amanda looking uh, i don't even know what this expression on her face apparently they were into role-playing makeup like there's a he's like she stabbed him in the throat and he's got fake blood running down and they're both looking in the mirror smiling and she takes a selfie of that they seem fun wait till you hear the rest of the story okay i can't wait so after rex hung himself of course amanda was distraught and she was very angry and she really blamed rex's father for the suicide because apparently rex was addicted to opioids And it started when he was a teenager and he'd been off and on drugs. And she felt like the father was promoting it was. What? How? (laughs) There's no explanation. I think maybe uh, the father was sympathetic. She felt the father was giving him pills. So. Oh no. You can see a picture of the father. Now the father is 59 years old. And I got to tell you, man. No. Like if I look like that when I'm 59. (laughs) golly 59 he's 59 he looks like he's fucking 104 he looks like he's on death's door like a crypt keeper you totally why does he look like that he's got to be ill right so i just wonder if if he was ill and passing 
like oxy to him. I don't know. Because he's got like an oxygen masky thing on in the car. Yeah. I wonder if he was suffering from some kind of cancer or something that enabled him to get the really heavy narcotics. Because he looks like hell. I mean, he looks my, Oh my God, dude. He looks bad. 59. <laughs> I wish you'd ask me to guess his age. I know I should have. I was like, like, he looks like he died three days ago. He doesn't look like he's even. (laughs) He looks like he's dead. I agree. Okay. 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 Um, All right. So I'm going to make some of this up because I don't have information and I'm just sort of imagining how this happened. This is the best kind of. Yeah. Came to the right place for some non news today, y'all. Exactly. So Amanda somehow meets this guy named Sean Bell. You can see a picture of Sean with the purple hair. Blue. It's blue on blue, my screen. Is it blue? Okay. He really looks like he's got it together too. I just imagine that they were at a bar or a party and he spotted her from across the room and he's like, I got this one. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's too perfect, right? So I don't know where this story is going. I've never heard of this story. Yeah. So, but I'm assuming she does something really bad because there's a mugshot of her. Okay. Yeah. So don't tell me yet. If you're going to get to it, I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah. But I'm reminded of that movie where Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds switch bodies. You know, it's like a freaking yes, Friday yes, one yes, yeah. Where Ryan Reynolds is explaining to the little girl that he's he's looking for girls that have daddy issues and stuff. Like, yeah. I was right. like, this guy looks across the bar and is like, daddy issues. I'm right, on it. Right. I'm on it. Well, and I don't think this is totally fair, but I do have a male friend that is like, anytime he sees a girl with a ton of piercings and tattoos, he's like, I know I've got a chance with that girl. (laughs) That's terrible. That's his wheelhouse. But anyway. Yeah, she's got like throat and upper chest tats. Like that is like serious commitment to tattooing. Exactly. So they meet and they immediately have a mutual connection over the fact that they are into murder and crime sprees and stuff like that and they have fantasies about it now i'm after you hear more of the story i'm not sure sean really had a whole lot of murder fantasies i think he met amanda and he was like fine whatever whatever it takes let's talk about murder fantasies i think he he was just like into her (laughs) apparently their relationship was non-sexual um but that (laughs) they're buddies yeah, but that he was into her. But the thing I find creepy about it is all these fantasies that she was having. The dead guy Rex is like a part of this revenge plot and all that. So he's having to hear a lot about Rex. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. It's really weird. This is how much Sean played it up. He claimed to be an ex Special Forces Navy man, claimed oh. to have been involved in killing in combat. When actually Sean had never done any of those things. How many people out there have claimed that? Um, special forces, Banner, blah, blah, blah. I'm just thing. tired of it. I don't believe any of you when you say that you did that because the people who do it, they don't go around telling people that. Yeah. You know, even my grandma did that. What? <laughs> claimed to be special forces. What? Wait. Do I know this? Didn't you? You told this story, didn't uh, you? We went to go see Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It was me, my mom, James, and my grandma. And later that night, my mother-in-law was like, your grandmother is very interesting. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, I didn't know she was a sharpshooter for the CIA. (laughs) I was just like, you know, I didn't know that either. And it was this really elaborate story. (laughs) 
Okay. So then when we get to be whatever age your grandmother was, we're going to tell people that we were sharpshooters for the CIA. Probably. And people will find us just, adorable. Just put that in your pocket if you're like okay. sitting around, want to get some yep. attention. But you have to be like 88 years old before you can Right, right. You can't do it when you're like a middle-aged, you know. All right. So Sorry. now this guy was in the CIA and all the things. Yeah, he was a Navy Special Forces. Sorry, Navy, None of these Navy things Steel. were true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was actually a very shy person, but he portrayed himself to be different. To, he portrayed himself as being like-minded in her desires to carry out a murder spree. So the two of them, this is kind of like that candy story we told. The two of them spent a long time planning their murder spree that was going to begin with murdering her father-in-law. I mean, it was like, you know, charts, military precision. They had it down to, <laughs> there was even symbology. So Good Lord. they arrived in Ellet, Virginia at the home of Charles Taylor on April 2015 at 327 p.m. The number signifies the birth dates of Rex and Amanda. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm exhausted. This woman is exhausting me already. <laughs> I don't even know what she did yet. I know. So, God. She and Sean. <laughs> she and Sean arrive at Charles's house, and I don't know exactly how it went down, like how they got in the house and all that. He probably let him in, but she attacked the 59-year-old man in his home with a bayonet-style knife and stabbed him 31 times. Jesus Christ! The guy in that picture. The old guy. <gasps> yeah. What? So if anyone is interested, we'll put a link on our website of actual video of Amanda confessing. She's very proud of what she did. And I'm just going to read you a little bit of the transcript of her confession. So this was on a prison telephone interview. Okay. Amanda speaking. I was very happy. I was very happy just to finally get all that built up hate and anger and all those feelings out on him. When I stabbed him, I didn't see anything. He just looked at me and he was like, what are you doing? And as I was stabbing him, he reached up and got my hair. I continued to stab him, but he kept yelling and it made me nervous. So Sean took a crowbar or a tire iron or whatever and hit him in the back of the head. Then after murdering Charles, Amanda posed for a disturbing selfie with the bloody knife she used to slaughter him. There was apparently blood splattered all over the walls and the couch. God. She goes on to say, I was just really excited. And I was like, hey, I'm going to take a picture so I can post it and show everyone. It made me really happy. So after this, Amanda gave herself the nickname, the brunette bomber. And she wanted to get this selfie out there so the world could see it. But she did recognize that. If, if she put, put it on her own social media, then she'd be leading herself right to the police. So there was a crime writer. Now, the article calls the crime writer Natasha. It's not her name at all. The police and the newspapers are protecting this crime writer's identity. This person is somebody who has a crime blog and is a well-known crime writer. So apparently, Amanda contacted Natasha and said she wants to keep her identity secret for her own protection, but could she post this picture on her blog? So Natasha said she looked so proud of what she had done, and I just couldn't believe it. Natasha did the right thing and went directly to the police. But Natasha was pretty smart because she also played up to Amanda and continued a dialogue with her. 
because she was trying to help the police identify where Amanda was. Okay, let me see if I understand the timeline. At this point so far, his body has not been discovered? His body has not been discovered. Okay. This is shortly after the murder. And now Amanda and Sean have gone on the run. Amanda is hoping to begin her crime spree. Okay. So Sean and Amanda are driving around looking for victims. Apparently at this point. As one does. Yeah, right. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. So Sean is like kind of bummed out. Like, I guess he's not getting sex from her. And yeah, I'm not what's in this relationship for him? Exactly. He's I'm like, I killed your father-in-law with a crowbar for you, and you're not even going to give me a fucking blowjob? What, what's right, this? Right. I also think he was, like, kind of bummed about it, and he was like, yeah, this is kind of bullshit. I don't want to kill any more people. So apparently two teenage girls walked by, and she's like, those would be easy victims. Let's go get them. And Sean was like, nah. So Amanda was getting really pissed off. Here's a quote of what happened. She stopped the vehicle on the parkway, took the revolver, and went around to the passenger side where Sean had his eyes closed. Apparently, he decided to take a nap rather than kidnap the two teenagers. <laughs> it's like, Sean's all, you do you. I'm exhausted from the first murder, so I'm just park over here. And I threw my arm out with the crowbar. <laughs> yeah so what is wrong with these people so she saw a jogger running by the passenger side of the car so she aimed the weapon at the jogger and pulled the trigger this startled sean awake she took the weapon and pointed it at him and said i want you to know before you die that i used you for your guns and your car and i hope you die then she pulled the trigger shooting sean in the face so she killed the jogger and Sean? She didn't kill the jogger. She just shot at the jogger. Oh my God. And she left Sean for dead on the side of the road and callously snapped a picture of his face. She took now, a picture of the guy that she'd shot. Yes. So now Amanda is on her own. No car, no guns, no Sean. <laughs> No crowbar. No crowbar. <laughs> but she has that phone to take those selfies with the next person she kills. Yeah. So now she's freaked out. So she's in constant contact with Natasha asking for advice of what to for do. Advice about what? Stop killing people. That's my advice. <laughs> just stop. So, it's a lot easier if you just don't kill people. It's better for everyone. So Natasha somehow led her to the police. Sean did not die. Oh, okay. He lived, the bullet passed through his jaw, and he just passed out from the pain. So she thought he was dead, but he was actually just passed out. Oh, Sean. So Sean copped a plea agreeing to turn on her in exchange for a 60-year prison sentence, which was suspended to 41 years. Of course, Amanda is in prison, and anyone that wants to talk to her, she loves to talk about the crime and... Oh, she's still proud of herself. She's still like, yep. But she is filing for an appeal. I'm not sure on what basis. Yeah. So (laughs) how long between, do you know how long between when she killed and to the selfie to when she finally got caught? I don't, but I don't think it was a long period of time. I think it was pretty quick. So she really wanted to be known for this. Like, -hmm. like she wanted this crime writer to publish this photograph Mm -hmm. of her with a dead fucking body. Mm-hmm. what does that tell you about the psychology of this person i don't know man 
I mean, it's one thing for killers to keep, you know, like serial killers or whatever, keep trophies. Mm-hmm. But to have it to where you send something to the crime writer with your face in it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, when we're talking about the psychology or the mental health or what's going on with these people, I think you get a lot of clues here. She talked about how through this act that, that it made her feel better. She had a lot of anger and she enjoyed taking it out on somebody who she blamed for her problems. Yeah. She had this idea. She was obsessed with wanting to kill lots of people. I think there is some, it's starting to be seen as a cultural norm or something. This idea that you get notoriety by killing a lot of people. Like it's a part of the, the serial killers of the past. It's more intimate. But the serial killers today are more mass shooting spree people. It's kind of like racking up likes on social media. Mm-hmm. So this was like the ultimate culmination of that idea of if it didn't make it onto Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, it didn't happen, right? If I don't have yeah. a picture of it, it didn't happen. So I have to document that I did this murder and not just that I killed this person I wanted to get revenge on. It's one thing to want revenge. It's one thing to, to, to desire a murder spree. You just don't know who you want to go kill. Or even like the murderers of the past, you take somebody, take Dennis Rader, for instance, he got himself caught, right? Yeah. So a lot of murderers of the past kind of did want notoriety, but they didn't want to get caught. But there's exactly. some that- Like the Zodiac, you know, yeah. corresponded with the paper and stuff and sent letters and ciphers and it's not unheard of, but the Zodiac didn't include photograph of himself with the dead bodies. No, these people are stupid. With the, like, I would oh. say all serial killers and- potential shooting spree people and people that want to commit crimes, please continue recording and taking photos. Yep. And please do yep. selfies. Yeah, do all the selfies. It's like do the stupidest selfies. criminal behavior. These people are like the lowest form of criminal. They're so stupid. I know. But yeah. I think this is a trend with younger people that are committing crimes. It mirrors the social media trends in terms of how they're behaving and after we've come out of isolation from covid apparently the amount of people dying from selfies has just like rapidly increased yes i know i know i know i saw that statistic and um, these mass shootings they've been happening but my gosh all of a sudden like every day now i'm turning on and there's somebody doing a shooting so i do think there's this isolation aspect and it's been going on with young people for a while They're not interacting the same way that we did when we were younger. And I've Mm -hmm. even heard of this trend where on dating websites, there's a lot of guys who just want to text and never actually want to have a communication with a woman. But they just forgot how, or they never learn how to actually interact with humans. I think it was on SNL. There's a skit. It's one of the comedy shows where there's this reality TV show about these two kids that are only interacting on the internet and they keep talking about wanting to meet in person, but then they chicken out. Like, I think there's a lot of anxiety amongst young people about human interaction. And I may have mentioned this on another show where I was interviewing people for jobs and the HR rep that was in the meetings with me said to one of the people I was interviewing, Maria is very verbal and she likes to communicate a lot one-on-one and verbally. Are you going to be okay with that? (laughs) As opposed to what? Only skywriting things and hoping you get. (laughs) Oh my God. I had someone tell me once that it makes them nervous when I'm standing at their desk giving them direct verbal communication. They would prefer to have an email. (laughs) 
<laughs> but what is it what does that do I know, I know this stuff is true it was true when i was teaching you know i was teaching interpersonal communication but think about idea. that what does that do like a generic example right let's say i'm upset with somebody and they keep doing things that are making me upset but the majority of our communication is short emails it's texts and i'm like screw this person you know and i'm like burning them in effigy and then we go have a coffee and I find out what's going on with them. And then I'm like, oh shit, man, you've been going through a hard time. I'm so sorry. Now all of a sudden I have empathy for them and I don't want to murder them. Mm -hmm. So I think that lack of human interaction is leading to lack of empathy and objectifying people and not thinking of people as human beings. You're, you're right. Just statistics and studies and analysis of levels of empathy. You're right. It's true. Our levels of empathy have dropped remarkably. The advent of social media corresponds with a drop in empathy. And this increase in narcissism, the lack of empathy, and then you have also a decrease in common sense. And this is where... <laughs> decrease in common sense? How do you measure that? This is where selfies can become deadly. Not just a yeah. tool of a killer, but a tool that you use to accidentally kill yourself. Yep. Again, I've always had a very healthy sense of fear about certain things. Like James and I were able to do this dolphin experience at Disney World. And the woman said, we were in these wetsuits. And by the way, they didn't have a wetsuit that I could fit into. So I could only half zip my wetsuit, <laughs> which was really uncomfortable. But, so the floor of this pool we're going into is really slick. And she's just told us stories about how playful the dolphins are. And I've heard stories of dolphins and whales grabbing people and yanking them to the bottom of the tank. And she's like, so move very slowly, be very careful. And so... I am moving very carefully and very slowly to the point that it unnerved her. She was like, do you not know how to swim? I'm like, no, I know how to swim. And she's like, why are you acting so creepy? And I'm like, you are like to be careful. So I'm, I'm going to take a selfie like half a mile from the edge of a rock. I'm not going to get on the edge. But I think people are not living in reality sometimes and they think they're, nothing bad is going to happen. They don't consider that their activity is dangerous. So um, according to the uh, Daily Mail of October 2021 and culturetrip.com, March 2014, there was the first known selfie-related death. I'm sure there have been others, but this one was actually recorded where a man electrocuted himself on the top of a train. I, I mean, this kind of thing has happened in the past, but people don't record it. Like, I know of an example where some kids had just graduated from high school in this town in Oklahoma, and yeah. they goaded this one kid to climb to the top of a power line to touch the line. What do you think is going to happen? He got elected. Oh, man. But yeah. I, people are really egged on with these selfies. Like, I've seen pictures of people laying on train tracks or, like, hanging backwards over the side of a cliff um crazy stuff like that there's there's yeah they're hanging backwards on cliffs and then there's some where people are on the top of buildings and and have fallen to their deaths that's interesting what you just said were you quoting the daily mail daily mail and culturetrip.com because this daily mail article says that researchers began tracking selfie related deaths in 2011 and you said the first one was until 2014 when was this article 
October of 2021. Okay. Yeah. But at that time, it says here that India had reported 184 self-related deaths. Isn't that yeah. remarkable? So who it knows is. how many it is now because it spiked after the coronavirus. But U.S. is in second place with 25 self-related deaths on record. And yeah. India has 184. What's going on in India, y'all? What are y'all Russia, doing? Russia's in third place, and it's so bad in Russia that the government actually, in 2015, published a selfie safety guide for the general public. Like you said, where's the common sense? <laughs> what in the fucking fuck do you think is going to happen? Okay, here's some of my favorite ones. Uh, I'm going to take that back. Not favorite. Here's some of the most dramatic ones. Are ones where people are doing selfies that are Facebook Live or Instagram mm-hmm. Live videos and fall from things. Those, to me, are just... If you're watching that, what do you do with that? Does that affect you or are you so removed like you don't? You remember back in the day, this was long before social media, when people would buy like 7-Elevens and stuff, DVDs of Faces of Death. Yeah, I was thinking of Faces of Death. Yeah, this is basically live tweeting. Faces of Death. It is. And so y'all don't know what that is. Don't look it up because it's horrifying. But people would buy these kind of underground-y kind of videos of people dying of like what, skydiving incidents or... Or World War II stuff, like people getting shot in the Like head. literal, actual deaths. Murders. And, and violent murders and videos of things that... Because back before YouTube and the rest of things, people would have to go out and think about buying videos from... Like the... Um, oh my gosh, did you watch that? That documentary in air quotes about the Girls Gone Wild guy. I didn't see that one. It's on like TNT or something. They were promoting the hell out of it during the NBA playoffs. Um, I wouldn't have known the guy if he'd walked in the door and introduced himself. I'd been like, okay, you're just some dude. Apparently he became really, really famous and was just a total creeper. He had these subscriptions that you would get for Uh Girls Gone Wild. And once you bought one video, then you were on their list. And they would just send you and charge your credit card. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's what people used to have to do, y'all. <laughs> yep. I'm going to list off some of the most common causes of selfie deaths. Okay. So falling, drowning, <laughs> just like, what? how do you dr- drowning? Um, being struck by a moving vehicle. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, um, being male is a big cause <laughs> of selfie deaths. <laughs> of selfie deaths are caused by being male. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. More people have died taking selfies than are killed by sharks. That old joke about how many dudes' last words were, hold my beer or watch this, you know? (laughs) Right, right, right. No, that's tourists, exactly right. Tourists apparently going on vacation makes you lose your common sense too. <laughs> Experts are saying that for whatever reason, as social media evolves, people are more and more willing to put themselves in more and more dangerous situations. Yeah. And the conversation.com and psychology today from January 16th, 2014 are my sources. One of the articles, I like the title of the article. It is hmm. Why is narcissism increasing among young Americans? Play deprivation may underlie the increase in narcissism and decline in empathy. Narcissism? So, you said narcissism. Narcissism. We could invent that word. Yes, I'm narcissistic. <laughs> that could be the name of our episode. Narcissism. We created a narcissism in our country. 
men, as we've already established, are more likely to show evidence of narcissism, but apparently women are associated with a subdivision of narcissism called admiration demand, feeling entitled to a special status or privilege and feeling superior to others. So Sounds like Karen's, right? Like Karen's, yeah. It's a subdivision, <laughs> the narcissism subdivision, narcissism where a lot subdivision. of women live. <laughs> yep. So going back to the Boston Globe article from the beginning and also the CNN.com article that I mentioned, there are two quotes that I absolutely love that I think kind of tie this all up. Never underestimate the power of a selfie. A pocket-sized self-portrait inspires man to forego common sense and get up close with wild animals or nuclear disaster sites. They can be life-affirming and they can be deadly. Uh Zachary Davis Uh of the Boston Globe takes a different perspective. And I think this is important. We've talked about the narcissism and the lack of common sense, but selfies have also had a positive influence on people's view of themselves. Zachary explains, unexpectedly, Something as seemingly frivolous and ephemeral as a selfie has become a tool for individuals and groups to subvert social power dynamics. Many Black women, for example, share selfies as a way to challenge non-European standards of beauty. Mothers share breastfeeding selfies as a way to decrease stigma of feeding babies in public. Self-photography can be a way to stand up to governments. In 2014, after Turkey's deputy prime minister called on women to not laugh in public in order to preserve morality, Tens of thousands of Turkish women went on social media and defied by posting pictures of themselves smiling, giggling, Mm -hmm. and guffawing. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to portray it like we're saying selfies are always narcissistic or bad. They can be a tool for good, but lately selfies have got a little out of control. It's a little bit about this whole idea where people are trying to construct a reality about themselves that may or may not be true. And before I started researching this, I wouldn't have said that selfies are like an innate desire of human beings, almost like searching for God and all these things. But going back to the beginning, we had this whole time period where many of us didn't even know what we look like. Mm -hmm. And we're in this era of, it's like the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. um, Self-actualization. Self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And we have this incredible control now of our identity and how other people see us and perceive us. And mm-hmm. it's starting to separate from the reality of who we are. Now that we have a true image of ourselves, we're going back to the murky bronze water image that mm. it's not a clear image anymore. We've turned, I think, mm-hmm. and now we're viewing ourselves in a non-realistic way, or we're presenting that to other people. Presenting it, yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting given how many, how much editing goes into photos as well. There's this idea that in some of these articles I read about selfies yesterday, um, you know, like all humans, generally, not all humans, but most humans, we want to leave a mark. We want to know that we mattered, that we were here. We want to leave something behind that showed I existed. And for a lot of people, selfies are part of that. But what's interesting is what we're leaving behind is so edited <laughs> that you, you know, hey, and I use this stuff too, because I have my blog and I have the stuff that I need to promote is like beauty products and all these things. Okay, so I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's just interesting if what you're doing is an intention of leaving a legacy. It's, if you make your pictures where it doesn't look like you, what are you really leaving behind, you know? 
but let's break this down a little bit so okay you're retouching your photos a little bit i mean some of it is there is prejudice out there towards looks and a lot of times linkedin or different places you're trying to put your best foot forward mm-hmm. and then light retouching is one thing but the question is can you retouch yourself for social media and still live in reality and in my industry, when we retouch people, a lot of times we take out their pores, we take out like every detail in their face. And mm-hmm. so it is creating this unrealistic expectation. Like, are you going to feel like shit about yourself when you go out because you have pores or because you have some wrinkles on your face, which is totally normal? Mm-hmm. So that's my concern. And then the second step to that is, which is what we're talking about today, it's not just retouching your face. It's using the selfie to take an action to show that you're a certain way, like you're adventurous or you're fabulous, you're a risk taker. And that's part of it too, is like the intention to me matters. Okay. There was a comic and a student of mine sent this to me years ago who had this whole riff. It was really funny. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. But he was talking about the idea of a narcissist today versus what a narcissist would have been thought of in the seventies, you know, like. Imagine it's 1970 and you take your pictures and you put them on a wall and you invite everybody you know and everybody you work with and everybody you've ever even met to physically look at that wall with pictures of you, you know, and you turn around to them and you say, do you like it? You know, imagine that because the intent of taking photos before was a memory for me, a memory for you, a memory for our friendship, a memory for our family, our groups, our memories of getting together and doing adventures and things, hiking in Yellowstone. But today, the point of those pictures is for the public, even if you are not a public figure. That, to me, is the intention that's changed. It's not, I'm putting it in an album, I'm putting it in my personal collection. It's because I need to show people this version of who I am. Yeah, exactly. Tying back to Amanda Taylor, the the selfie murderer. At what point do these fantasies that you have become something unhealthy that you're pursuing? I would psychoanalyze her with a little bit of knowledge I've gotten because she did the murder, documented the murder, admitted to the murder and continues to talk about how glad she is she did the murder. So I don't feel bad psychoanalyzing her. I don't think that her intention was to kill the guy. I think her intention was to kill the guy to show the world she killed the guy. Exactly. And so if you take away the show the world she killed the guy, I don't think she would have killed the guy. I completely agree. See what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I guarantee you that some chick that's like dressed to the nines in heels that goes to some mountaintop and sits on an angle that's ridiculous to keep yourself in place with heels on. If it wasn't a cool selfie spot, she would never have gone to that place to die. So it's the same principle. So in a way, it's like the recording of the activity is... Is the point, yes. Yeah. Well, and and just to tie back to our very first conversation about the mass shootings, like this guy in Uvalde, if he hadn't seen all these other mass shootings and thought, what's the worst thing I can do and like leave a mark? Because you're talking about leaving a mark, right? Yep. Like if he wasn't going to be more, you know, remembered as this act, would he have really done it? Like it's like a tree falling in the forest in a way. Yep. There's something to that, I think. And the racist who murdered the black grocery store people in Buffalo, he was consuming white nationalist racist rhetoric. So there's that side of it too. It fed into it. And then he wanted to put something back out there. It ties in to make it where, you know, I'm not against all this stuff. Obviously I have Instagram. I do my blog. You know, we have a podcast. We want people to pay attention to it. But 
It doesn't matter to me of intention. And intention trumps outcome. Because if you want people to see the thing that you've done, that intention is, to me, different from just doing a good thing. Does that make sense? It does. Have you ever heard of influencers in the wild? Uh, you know what? I feel like I have seen some stuff. I really want you to follow. I encourage our listeners to follow influencers in the wild. It is hilarious. So what it is, is somebody spots somebody taking video or doing poses and all these things. And then they take video of that, right? Of the people doing the influencing. And there's one, I want you to see this. I don't know if you can see this when I hold this up. Okay. Okay. I want you to describe what's going on. Okay. Yeah. So there's a woman, she's in a bikini and she's like fluffing her hair. Where Um, is she? She's like right in front of the Hollywood sign. She's at, um, it's like a hiking location. And what's next to her though? Like a family with kids, but she's got a bikini on that like reveals her butt cheeks. It's gross. She's in heels. Like you were saying, hiking. Yeah. And doing this. And Runyon Canyon is like walking on the surface of the moon. It's like a very (laughs) hard hike. James and I went to the Van Gogh experience and uh, there was a a social influencer there that was dancing around and slinky up and having some guy record her and she kept like smashing into people and it was (laughs) (laughs) tripping because it's dark. She's like tripping over people and I'm like. You know that Geico commercial? I don't even know if it's Geico or Progressive, where the guy's chaos and he's standing on the side of the road with a ring camera posing and yeah. he like causes a car wreck and he goes, You're gonna get tens of views. And I was like, exactly right. Yeah. You're gonna get tens of views. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yikes. Wow. So we got some murder and death and destruction, and hopefully we I, hope that, I sincerely hope that none of our podcasts inspire the listeners <laughs> to want to become serial killers. That would be the opposite of our... I'm not worried about that. I think if you want to be a serial killer, you are already going to be a serial killer. Yeah. I'm not going to talk you into being a serial Becky killer. Becky and I have never posed as like murderer and victim or anything like that that would be creepy and I just don't get getting off in that I don't know I mean I know we do true crime and I like murder shows and I read a lot of crime books and and fiction and stuff but I don't know about just acting it out you know that part is just I don't know I think we all need to consider all of the factors that encourage these people and that encourage these activities And some of it is encouragement from other people on social media. Some of it is reporting too much about it. And some of it is the availability of weapons. And Mm -hmm. so I hope that at some point we can return to a more civil political environment where people who disagree can compromise. And it's not a zero-sum game anymore. I would love it. I would love it. Otherwise, I'm threatening y'all. I'm going to run for office. Nobody wants that. So we're going to start our cruise control campaign. (laughs) I didn't want to give away your logo if you didn't want people to know your logo. Because I mean, the slogan, do you want me to tell them? Yeah. So I text Marie and I go, I'm going to run for Senate. (laughs) I'm going to run against Ted Cruz. And Marie immediately said, let's take Texas out of cruise control. Exactly. I was like, that's the most brilliant fucking thing I've ever heard. And my tagline is, aren't you fucking tired of this? And I've got a whole list of things so far that I'm already tired of when it comes to Ted Cruz and Republicans. Um, and I have a review I was going to read because we got a review on our Apple iTunes. So if y'all leave us a review, we will read it. I'm going to find where it is. From E-S-A-L-M-001. All right. Five stars. Love it. 
The wit and sarcasm these women dish out in each episode never disappoints. While the idea of a true crime comedy show seems odd, does it? Yes. Becky and Marie find the creative balance of being respectful to the victims while eloquently, hey, dishing out insults to criminals with just the right amount of F-bombs. <laughs> just the right amount? Keep it up, ladies. Hey. That's okay. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love Thank it. you, Esalm001. And they mentioned- uh, Love it. We love you. Which I know you're really happy about. What'd you say? They mentioned your F-bombs, which I know you're really happy about. <laughs> <laughs> i am very happy about that that's my signature which whatever. thanks for the that's shout fun. out we always appreciate um you do thanks for giving us a good review as well that and was, like not really feeling nice. like we're just talking to the air <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if y'all want us to read your review leave us five stars and give us a good review um email us our email address is fearless at nowfear.com Tell us what you fear or if you have any topics you want us to talk about. And go to our website, fearthispodcast.com, because you know what you'll get there? Life-changing content. It is life-changing, and, you know, that can't be understated. No, it can't be overstated either. Either way. (laughs) (laughs) All right, see you all next time. See you later. Bye-bye.